The group had some dinner at the shack on the pier. They came every once in a while, in pale seasons or sun, in pods of coffees and bikes and their whisking coats. They squinched tour maps in their fists and pressed them against their bodies to stop them flapping, tearing in wind. Few of them were brave enough to attempt a fire. It was like they were afraid they'd burn the beach, like they wouldn't know what they were doing, though they squinted longingly at the orangey sparks of locals when the dark sunk down. The town looked kindly upon them and tried to turn that warmth back onto themselves to try to see this home place as something to be traveled to, to be mapped out, to share, to hide. They positioned along the dock, these ducklings here, these dreamers, looking out to sea, passing binoculars back and forth like desert water, parched for ghosts. A young woman endeavored to wrangle her hair to a loop, and she shoved it down into the collar of her coat behind her neck. She turned to the man to her right after a few minutes. Have you been to this before, to see the ship? He sat grayly, inward curved. They say it came a few weeks ago, out there. She pointed north to the Cape. But I guess they probably always say that, to keep people coming. He perched on the same kind of folding metal chair, from the pile dragged, sliding end, shin bruising down from the tour van by the guide. Hers creaked, but somehow his made no sound. I used to come here with my parents. We stayed at an inn over there, I think. And once we stayed down on the beach in a big tent. We sat up on that little rise in the morning and then again at night and watched for it. Just kind of stared out to sea. My mother would give it a different name every day. Where are you, Pinto Bean? She'd say. Where are you, Glass House? Where are you, Samba or Blue Face or St. Mary the Burned? A shake of gulls screamed. There was salt and the echo of salt and the scraping of salt across all the houses on all the nearby roads. I don't think we ever saw it. But there was this one time when my mother came in from the dark. She'd stayed outside longer than us. And I remember when she closed the door, this was at the inn, she turned around and she pushed it shut and she stayed like that with her head down. And I think she was crying. My father said something like, was it old hollow neck? Was it old scream? And I don't remember she said anything after that. I think we just went to sleep. The sky gangrened tonight. A delirium, a desperate crochet, infection moon. I used to think about that, about truth. I don't know when I figured it out. There's nothing like that. The only thing you can hope to have is, uh, I don't know, a sort of style. I guess that's all there is. There's this creature called a shipworm. It bores holes in the hulls and wooden fixtures of sunk ships. It's a kind of clam, actually. 
and other things. I mean, it destroys other things. I mean, all of nature does that, destroys. I like that stuff. Off down the dock, a stirring. Is it there? Someone said. She was beginning to see. Where did you come from? Oh, okay. I don't know of that place. Why do you have no hands? Did you take the pill yet? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, the thing is, I <clears throat> I wasn't really sure about the timing. I mean, it's been like 25 years since I took one of these. Um, so what I did is I took it just before I got on um, the, the boat to get over to this island. Um, so I, I'm, I'm now sitting in the lighthouse. This is the Great Duck Island Lighthouse. It's... Um, I can see, if I look to the east, I can see um, Nova Scotia in the distance, the Bay of Fundy. So, you know, it's nice and dark, and, and I'm just going to sit here alone and wait for the... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't believe you uh, you sent that to me. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, this is this will be the perfect opportunity, because I, I don't have... Uh, I'm just going to sit here and, and wait and, and see what happens. And it's, it's actually... it's. The island is very tiny. Um, this was built in 1889. Um, uh, after they approved the funds to build this uh, lighthouse, but before it was actually constructed, you know, very sadly they had a uh, there was a snowstorm and a, a, a lumber schooner wrecked on the island. Three crewmen died, and the, you know, they found their bodies frozen together. And uh, there, <clears throat> there are. Um, Keepers' dwellings, little keepers' dwellings off there in the distance. There's a um, there's a massive bell, as is tradition. And this uh, now the uh, the light itself has been automated since 1986. There's there's no one uh, ever really here. It's the, the house at the other end of the island is pretty much just a tourist uh, uh, Airbnb kind of thing. But the light is still working. It's still in um, you know it's an active navigational aid. And it's, it's, it's pretty impressive to be sitting in this enclosure with, with that light. You, you realize how powerful these things are. But I'm looking out the window, there's nothing in the bay. is very, very still uh, tonight. I'm ready for whatever effect um, this pill has. And, and I, I do hope, last time I took it, it was, it was mostly a visual experience. But it, <laughs> I, I think I am feeling a little bit strange, already a little bit warm. Um, my, my skin feels cold, but I feel it, as if my temperature has actually risen. But I, I think that's, that's probably the <laughs> well, It does sound like you're in uh, the perfect environment for it. Are you, are you watching for, for ghost ship? Well, you know, I was trying kind of hard not to let that phrase enter my mind because I, I thought I might accidentally steer the images or steer the experience I'm going to have on this. Um, but since you've been talking about it recently, I, I find it <laughs> very difficult not to think about it and actually kind of hope for that. It, the first thing what, what happened here, strangely enough, is, um, sorry, when I, when I got out of my rental car, 
a little boat was waiting for me. This very old man uh, took me out in this little motorboat. Didn't really say much, but he let me into the lighthouse with this really old, old brass key. And I had thought this is simply like a, a digital code thing. That's what I had been led to believe. He takes out this old brass key. He's kind of hunched over and he lets me in. And he just, um, when I turned around, he was, he was already walking back to the boat. It's very, a little bit mysterious, um, strange, this old man. I, I didn't get his name, but it's just a perfect, you know, kind of a perfect setup to be uh, ghost ship watching. Oh, that makes me think of a few years ago, I was corresponding with this woman who, uh, for a time, she moved to this small town on a bay. And she started seeing this boat um, that would usually be at night or, or when night was falling. You could see a boat. Sometimes it would be just the boat. Uh, and other times it looked like there was someone in it. And it wasn't, you know, you think of these phantom ships or ghost ships, uh, you know, it being a large ship, you know, able to, um, you know, contain many people, which makes it all the creepier when they're discovered to, you know, be empty and no one knows where the crew went or or what happened. Um, but this was a smaller boat. This was like, um, she said it was about a, like a rowboat size. And um, yes, yeah, sometimes it would be empty and s or appear to be empty. And sometimes it would have a, you could see a figure in it. It would be kind of along the, sh it would be fairly close to the shore and like along the rocks. And uh, she asked some people about it. And, and yes, come to find out that this was a common happening. This was a known thing. Uh, the people in the town called this the fisherman. And, um, yeah, they said, you know, sometimes the boat appears to be empty. This rowboat appears to be empty. Sometimes you can see this figure in it. But other times it, it you can see a figure, but it looks very strangely shaped. Um, and, you know, but this is something that was seen quite often in the bay and everyone assumed and, and she did as well that this was some kind of a an apparition from oh the past you know someone who might have died there um you know something something left over from that but and this is where it gets very strange um her last correspondence to me she said that you know although she had made this assumption um, that she realized after she left the town and not until after she left the town that 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 wasn't it at all that sh that they had it wrong that it was not a figure appearing from the past but it was it was a figure actually warning about something that hadn't happened yet and that's all she told me. Uh, I, I, I didn't hear from her after that. Um, she, she never, consequently, she never elaborated. And I'm just left with this idea. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But I, you know, I guess there are all these different ways that the sea can kind of swallow you.
and overwhelm our tiny endeavors. There is never that one place to start, but that doesn't mean it's worthless to try. So one summer, I went off driving with some of those people you meet, that you pile in with, that you bring yourself to, that you come as you are to, unscrubbed and vain and hungry, trying to learn the world. And you do, but... What you end up knowing is not what you think. We started in California, got as far south as we could and drove north. We all took something we got along the way, in capsules like little sticky balloons. How we got it isn't important. It was just someone else in the sun. There were scads of them then, and I'm sure there still are, creased and sliding Undeserved health, espousing trains. The brush along the road got taller, then pale, then taller still. We climbed cliffs. Round blue fields led to beautiful farms, barns waiting patient for their machines, which sat out unmanned in the twinkling shade of seabirds, painted bright primary colors like preschool blocks, like Paris in the rain. We drove up the coastal highway and sometime at night steered off into the grass. For a bit we sat mostly quiet, hearing the whistling moaning wind running off the beach below. We might have all thought about the whales and the sharks out there and the dark water falling down. First like a pool, easy and smooth out to Marianas. Then a plunge to lightless space. We pulled the stray coats and shirts up from the car's scratchy floor and scrunched them up behind our heads and pulled them lamely across our bare arms. We tried to rest but worried we weren't far enough off the road and would be hit. But we knew that we did the best we could. And we knew we couldn't drive anymore just then. I was in the back right, the farthest seat from the driver. And that's how I felt in those days, in the farthest seat. After a while, I got out, crossed the highway, and found the clumsy stairway of boards. One strange foot and another, I made my way down. I knew this beach. We used to come here. There was a little cabin nearby where we would go. Someone else owned it now. After my father died, my mother spent a month here cleaning it out. I wasn't around much then. I didn't help her very much. I just wanted to be on the beach. I don't think you should go down there anymore, she said one day. There are things you don't know. There's danger. I think something happened to him down there, she said. Please don't go there. And I didn't understand. I never did, I guess. It was just unfathomable. And plus I had trouble listening to her. I couldn't handle it, maybe. Because so much had happened, and would still happen, in the family and in our little town. 
because I was greedy. But I thought it was everyone else who was greedy instead of me. She was, too. She told me in different ways. Greedy. She got it. Got me. I didn't know this until later. And I suppose most of us don't. And I suppose one of the main things in life we suffer over is our inability to go back and know things that we couldn't. It's cruel. Anyhow, now I think that it's not a bad thing how I was then. Maybe it's the way a person should be. Because I lost it along the way. I lost my appetite. The sand opened up like a blue cloth in front of me. I left my shoes and wrapped the sleeping bag I cradled in my arms around my shoulder. I suppose I thought they might leave me, my fast friends, and I suppose I didn't care. I disappeared. I'm not sure how long I was gone. When I woke up, I lifted my head and felt my neck grab and creak. The moon lit the wall of fog pushing in, and it glowed unholy. There was something in the water. There was something in the water near the beach. A ship. It was huge. A scoop of curling wood. At first, I couldn't tell if it was moving or not. It was like I had forgotten what movement was, or what it looked like. Or if it was real or just a sensation from the purring sand. Apart from it being there, from its volume and bulk, it didn't make visual sense. It was too far ashore. It would have been stuck, mired, seized up. But it was rising and falling, listing in wind. Sails like struggling wings. Then there was a sound I've never heard before that I didn't know existed. Something jumped off the ship and splashed. First one, then another, and another. I got up, almost panicked in my determination not to panic, and walked back. I walked, I didn't run. The sleeping bag dragged behind me. I went up, feeling the muscles in my legs take each upward step, putting my trust in their strength. I never looked back. The car was still there. It was running, and the headlights were on, as well as the interior dome. The keys were in the ignition, the inside still strewn with items of clothing, an army bag, and a stuffed brown bear. Packs of cigarettes on the dash. They were all gone. I looked out once into the whipping grass, like snakes at the bottom of the sea. I got into the car, pulled shut the door, and began the long drive toward home. I actually do remember this uh, this effect from the last time. Um, 
I can only describe it as it feels like there are a dozen little tiny benign bugs like skittering through my body, like skittering through my system, like running like a mad dash from one end, let's say of my fingers to the other, down to my toes, from one arm to the other arm, as if it's some kind of like relay race going on (laughs) inside me. And I mean, I can, that's, that's okay. It's not, I mean, it's not even actively unpleasant, but we, what we do have is everything has gone completely orange. Um, I'm looking out the window and instead of it being what is it, 1247, um, it, it, it's, it looks like it's uh, like a broad daylight, but in the, in the aftermath is kind of nuclear blast. I mean, everything, you know, everything is just drenched in as if the sun has um, crept within 10 miles of the earth. So the bay itself is now kind of blood red uh, under this orange sky, but it has a strange consistency to it. Like everything is uh, somewhat muddy and uh, it's like someone has has done um, a very crude watercolor painting of the sky and the bay outside the window and everything inside the White House. I don't know if I'm describing this correctly, but that is what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, it happened very fast. It happened like three minutes ago. And it, when, it, when it happened, it was um, like someone turning the filter up on a, on a, on a video, on an old video camera. It's just, uh... so yeah, that's where I am at, at the moment. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, it is as, as, as advertised and as remembered and, uh, but the, the bay itself is still, you know, no, nothing out there. I don't expect there to be, uh, until the next wave of weirdness, <laughs> but you, you should, you should probably just do the talking and, and, and tell me some things. I, I just, I'm not focusing very well here. Okay. Gotcha. 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 I, <laughs> I, I am, I am glad though. It sounds as if, uh, it's going all right. Like it, it's, it's leaning toward the, uh, fantastical, if anything, and not, uh, oh God, toward you the... know what the, the, the little skittering things, they, uh, as soon as you started speaking, almost as if they were queuing on that first <laughs> syllable, they all sort of gathered on the left side of my body. Oh my goodness. Well, around. Oh God. I think, I, I think, okay, let me, I'm going to tell you, so oh every time you start a sentence, they switch sides inside my body. <laughs> oh God! Just, yeah, okay, so I, I, this is. I mean, but don't. It's yeah. It's it's gonna. It's just gonna be. Um, it's just gonna be fine. It sounds like it's just going fine. Even even <laughs> even so, even so. Um, yeah, you you you've got you've you've got a grip. Don't worry. Uh, I was thinking. You know, you mentioned the, the term, you were trying not to let the term ghost ship even come into your mind because you thought it would steer your thoughts. Often, I, I usually have heard ghost ship, but then there's also phantom ships. And I know that it's a little controversial because some, some maintain passionately that, that a ghost ship is merely um, an abandoned ship ship and a phantom ship is a a ship that is a ghost (laughs) you know like the flying dutchman like an apparition um and uh you know but i i kind of like the two terms interchangeably because i i think that they 
you know, they, they both seem to have elements. If they are separate entities, they seem to have elements of one another. The last time I took that pill, it was funny. It was another uh, kind of water situation. I, but it was at a lake. It was this volcanic lake in Oregon, and it's very, very bright blue. It's the, it's the deepest lake in the, in the country. And uh, it's very cold. The water is very cold. It's fairly inhospitable to life. But there, the, one of the bizarre things about it is there, there's this uh, tree. There's this tree trunk. It's like 30 feet that has been floating in the lake vertically. So you just see a few feet of it poking out above the water, but it moves around the lake. I mean, I, I fairly quickly from what I understand. Uh, it's, it's, it just, um, is floating around the lake. It's been there since like 1896. They call it old man of the lake. I don't know. I, something about the, the crossing of terrains and like this, this very eerie element of like, what is it about ghost ships? That's so fascinating and creepy. You know, there's the obviously creepy thing of, you know, finding some kind of an abandoned structure, especially if it if it appears that 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 it just happened or there was some kind of strange event and there's just no sign of anyone. I I know that it's not always quite that dramatic, but it's very very eerie that thought. And then you kind of add that to the whole just unknowable vastness of the sea. And I think it's often, too, yeah, the timing details are strange because, um, you know, it'll it'll be like not what you expect. I mean, if you come upon an abandoned ship, I guess you're expecting for certain signs to kind of line up and make sense uh, with a timeline of, you know, and often it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm reading these stories of just you know, almost like like finding coffee boiling on a stove or, you know, just it, it appearing as if as if the crew was just sitting down to a meal and then s- suddenly left. You know, nothing is prepared. There's no proper logs or notes or any detail. Uh, I was on this ferry once and I started talking to this couple... Um, this married couple, the husband kept, he, they both seemed very nice, but the husband kept getting up and down and he seemed really nervous and he was pacing around outside the deck a lot and just, he he just seemed like he was in quite a state and, um, and I, so I, I was talking to his wife more and she kind of revealed to me that he used to be with the Coast Guard and they had once uh, found an, an abandoned boat and it was just the classic scenario you know the crew was gone uh no one ever figured out what happened no one ever found them um and it just was so haunting to him that i i mean he 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 hated to be out on the water the only reason they were taking this ferry was because they were they were trying to quickly get to their daughter because she was having a really bad time she was ill something and and it was kind of um i i understood that it was something they wouldn't normally do like a, not a way that they would have traveled if there was an alternative 
but they were on this ferry and even just that amount of being out on the water she said that he you know he just hates it and he still you know it happened i think she said like oh 17 years prior something like that and he but he would still have these visions of he would see the ship sometimes but not always on the water um he would sometimes see it on land as well but not the entire ship um like just a part of it like a part of it had been sort of torn off or crushed or like a part that was broken on rocks or um i don't know bitten off and uh she was very she was very worried about him that seems kind of shocking to me not only that this apparition would follow you onto land but that it would be so kind of such a violent after image too you know one evening at anchor the captain was disturbed in his cabin by the ship's quartermaster who asked him to come on deck claiming that the lookout had seen something unusual. Figure 1. On July 10th, they found the Electron drifting in the mid-Atlantic. She was taken alongside the freighter for a closer inspection. She was caught in a giant squall that ripped into her from the northeast. As the boat was of all-wood construction, she was difficult to spot on radar. The remains of her damaged funnel lie strewn across the upper deck. The next discovery was a mystery. A doctor's bag was found, complete with scalpel, needles, and gut for sutures, and great lengths of blood-stained bandage. She now lies abandoned in the Cayman Islands, her outriggers splintered by hurricanes and her paint peeling in the tropical sun. Figure 2. The crew believed the asp was haunted. Ghostly happenings were reported while it was anchored in many locations, including Liverpool and Haverford, Wales. These visitations proved too much for many of the crew, who regularly pleaded for their discharge papers. Figure 3. The name False Bay was applied at least 300 years ago by sailors returning from the east who confused the two capes, which are somewhat similar in form. False Bay is at the extreme western end of the inshore marine ecoregion. The continental shelf is at its widest here in the overlap zone, where the warm waters mix. This ecoregion has the highest number of endemics. Figure 4. According to her former captain, the ghost of a woman haunted the ship for several years before she found rest in a dockside graveyard. While his account might easily be dismissed as the fevered ramblings of a sick man, Slocum remained convinced that his ship defied nature. She rode out a deadly gale that ripped the decks of their fittings and bleached them, as he said, as white as the shark's teeth. Figure 5. The island is an outcrop of the Cape Granite. It's long and narrow. There is no vegetation, soil of any significance, or beach. A radar mast was built during World War II, but the tower gradually succumbed to corrosion 
and was blown over in a winter storm in 1970. All that remains of it is rusty, twisted metal. The dense population at certain times of the year attracts the seal's main predator, the great white shark. Figure six, his writings became progressively more garbled. His chronometer was missing, and it was presumed he held the instrument in his hands as he jumped overboard. This seems a strange act, even for a man who had lost his power of reason. He had also cut his hair before disappearing. Figure seven, the oil tanker was sailing from the Pacific coast of America to the Panama Canal when two men died in an accident and were buried at sea. The next day, and for many days to come, two phantom faces were seen to be following the ship. Figure eight, it was not until he was three days out from Durban that he began having his nightmares. Figure nine, what is just as perplexing is not what was found on board, but what was no longer there. Figure 10. There were dirty dishes in the galley. The parts of various radio receivers lay around on the table, and a stack of three logbooks sat on top of the charts. The last logbook entry was for June 24th, the day before the vessel was spotted by a Norwegian freighter. The final entry in the radio log was on June 29, the day before the final radio transmission. It was the last thing anyone heard from him. Uh, are you are you still there? I am. How are you? Uh, all right. Um, I, got, I got a very odd text message on my phone here from the uh, the person who set this visit up for me, apologizing that no one could meet me and take me out to the lighthouse tonight. Uh, so we went back and forth briefly, and I told him uh, an old man picked me up and took me out here and let me in. He said, how did he let you in? He couldn't possibly know the code. I told him he had a brass key. And he says he has no idea what I am talking about. And whether this exchange is due to the pill, because the fonts on my phone and the text messages are very odd, I don't know if these answers coming back from him, from him are, are in my mind. Uh, but. Out the window, we have uh, we have emerging on the horizon under this, this this blistering orange sky. We have about oh, it's got to be 25, 25 like raft-like structures. They, they seem to be like platforms, and uh, one person on each platform rowing with with big. Big oars just slowly in toward shore. They um, they appeared as little dots about twenty minutes ago, and they've been rowing toward shore ever since. And the 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 ones out front of this this procession, they have 
there little little sort of signal fires on on these these raft like rectangles, but the fires are black because of the uh, because of what's happening in the sky. This orange color, everything is is distorted. So I'm watching black black fire. And actually, now that I'm speaking to you, I'm. Uh, uh, yeah, a few of them. Can you? You can't hear anything, can you? I. I, I mean, the the wind is is so loud. Can you hear? Can you, I, I. I suspect it might be my mind. Can you hear that wind? I uh, can't, but I. I will say I don't know if this will be a comfort to you or not, but usually. Um, I would say that the things you're experiencing, they're never completely coming from the actual environment. They're never completely coming from your mind. And they're never completely coming from the pill. They're all going to be these elements that are kind of meeting in the middle. So guessing where things are coming from is, um, is a, a fruitless endeavor. Well, they're still getting closer. <clears throat> they're still getting. It's a very, it's a very consistent progress. These dozens of rafts people are making toward the shore, but the the one who was closest to the shore, he just went down. Um, it's almost like his raft just got too heavy, and it it just went beneath. This very gentle waves, just and he just stoically went down with it, and he's he's gone. Same thing is happening to a couple others. One by one, they're they're just kind of going under the waves. They're not struggling. They're not fighting. Nothing's taking them down. They're just very peacefully as the Water crushes out the little fires. You see the little whirlpools warming as they go down. And they're all gone. They're all gone. There's nothing. There's nothing out there on the bay. That's it. Whoever they were, uh, there's nothing more. 